0: again everybody and welcome to Around the World in 80 Cigars. I am your host Nick Hammond and it is episode 12 of season 2. It's the season finale. Now I won't um, pledge to throw you a bonus episode at some stage over the next little while but it might well happen. There's um, plenty of things to talk about and outtakes and things. Uh, but as I've said before, after running season one for such a long time um, and at a weekly level it, uh, it was a bit much really. So we've cut back for this season. We've run bi-weekly as, as fans will know and we're running 12 instead of the 20-odd we did last time. Uh, so I'm going to take a little hopefully well-earned breather over the summer. And line up some more fun and guests for you and see what the enthusiasm is like out there for season three. Um, and it sort of feels poetic, really, as I speak to you. The baby starlings hopping about on the lawn, the sun is pouring down, it's really warm, and it feels like we've battled through a, a long, dark winter together. And come out the other side, so maybe a good time to just have a little breather and take a step back. Uh, Tonight, today's guest, I interviewed him actually back in that long dark winter and uh, and it was freezing and I logged on to him live in Nicaragua and the sun was pouring down and I just felt So envious of him for being there so um, this is a very interesting interview I hope you will find. Really interesting story of um, taking over family legacy and the pressures and the privileges that come with that. Um, Buying you know a really well-known brand within a market when you yourself are not particularly well known and how that came to pass. You know, uh, becoming an expert in something that you weren't before because now as head of that family, it's your job. Um, You know, no pressure, but you're the fifth generation or whatever it might be of this hugely successful company. Don't drop the ball. Um, You know, stories of dynasty. What was the past? What's happening in the present and what may be the future? All form part of the chat with today's guest. Uh, before we move on to our guest, as always I'll talk to you about our partners, colleagues and friends at Souter of uh, Mount Street Mayfair. Lots going on there as usual, lots of videos going up with Lawrence on the Souter YouTube. In fact one went up last night and it's got 1500 views already Uh, Really, really popular. Keep watching those. They are hilarious to do as well as to watch, I hope. Uh, We have some events coming up, Souter events. There may may still be tickets available for the Pyramides Challenge. Blind tasting of four sticks with some whiskies. That's always fun to do a blind tasting with you guys. I don't see anyone else in the market doing that, actually. Um, And what else have we got? Uh, We're always cooking things up, Lawrence and I, so... um, Keep tuned and uh, and you can rely on him for entertainment and for all the finest cigar gear you could possibly hope for. Uh, Rutherfords of England, superb. English bridal leather. Oh, there's a blackbird singing on the roof. You could probably hear that now. (laughs) Everything is so joyful to be in the sun. Um, Rutherfords, England, yeah, amazing stuff. Do check them out. Sister company of Leggetts, who I make the Oriental Cigar Gin with, and they supply the expertise uh, at and, and their workshop to make some of the fantastic collaborative goods that we're doing through Leggett's uh, And Leggett's itself, we've got products going up very shortly. Do watch the website. You are gonna salivate at some of these things, I promise you. And last but not least, Bovada, the masters of two-way humidification. Our friends over there produce fantastic sachets, which you just simply need to take out of the plastic, pop in your oil and walk away and forget. They will look after the humidica- humidification, should I say, for you. So with that out the way, um, we're going to move through to our guest. Don't forget, um, please like, subscribe and review the pod. Um, I know you're watching in your great numbers. We smashed through that 20,000... Barrier, as I promised, with our last wonderful episode with Eddie and Edward Sahakian. That has attracted thousands of listens. Um, And we want to keep doing it. We need your support. No feedback means that we just lose the will to carry on doing this. So if you enjoy, please let us know. Suggest who you'd like to hear. Um, You know, any new features you'd like to see, any regular things on here. Always open for a discussion. And very grateful for your help and your support right that'll do for now let's move on because i'm going back to that freezing cold office i was sitting in at the time and i really did have a hot water heater a hot uh, a hot air heater rather blowing on my feet to stop them seizing up and freezing um and on the screen was those incredible blue skies and palm tree fringed fields of Esteli, I'm going to hand you over to my earlier self to talk with Fred van der Malier of J. Cortez Cigars, the van der Malier cigar family, and of course, lever
1: Fred, hello, sir. Hello, Nick. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How are you? Are you well? I'm very when I have the the honour and, and the the pleasure to talk to you, I mean uh, it brings back some uh, rest and uh, and some good souvenirs. <laughs> so that's always uh... lovely. Well, and what a lovely time of year
0: to be in sunny Nicaragua. I know you've you've gone there with the family as well. So you're doing a bit of business, a bit of pleasure. Tell us what you're up to while you're out there and um, and what you've been doing. First of all,
1: well, it's. Um yeah for those who don't know me i mean i'm a third gen, third generation uh, cigar boy who was born on a tobacco leaf let's say it that way and uh, we're a european family uh, based in belgium uh, born and raised there uh, with some traveling exercises left and right lived in sri lanka for four years we have, we have a, a company over there and um yeah sorry for some background noise you know i mean you know we're in happened from time to time. Anyhow, and um, now since uh, five years, I mean, we always have been in uh, with Jay Cortez in the cigar world, but more on the European scheme, which was more on the on the small, smaller cigar size uh, type of products. And uh, since five years now, I mean, since 2016, so we are in 2021. Uh, we are very proud that we can continue the story that the family uh, Oliva started many years ago, and uh, and this brought brought us to Nicaragua. And uh, I've been here already a couple of times, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a dream for me to uh, to move here for a little period. I mean, uh, one one fun part of cigar making is uh, is the dreaming part, and the dreaming part is. I mean, there are a lot of dreams, but one of the dreams is, of course, the blending and, and the surprises you can have with uh, with with blending tobaccos and the, and the nice things that can come out or the nasty things that can come out. But I mean, making these cigars towards products that are really good and 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 that the yeah, I mean that you make for yourself, but also I mean for people who love cigars. And um, out of Belgium, this is possible, of course. We have great people here in Nicaragua, I mean, uh, who know even much more than I about uh, about tobacco and about everything. So we have a fantastic team here. Uh, we have, uh, I mean, Gilberto, who's still also, I mean, joining us in these exercises, but we have local guys like Ernesto, like Pablo, I mean, who work for many, many, many years in the factory. Oscar, who all have a fantastic palate and who, who helped develop, I mean, uh, the Serie Vs in the Milanios volume. And being with them for a while to blend is totally different than having doing the exercise during a couple of days while you're here, sending over the cigars to Belgium, I mean, a couple of months later, then trying them out. So while being here, I mean, my, my goal was really once to travel and to come and live here. But I have a family and, uh, and uh, a, lovely, a lovely wife, even when she's not sitting next to me. I mean, <laughs> I'm positive about that. Uh, and leaving for three months or six months, I mean, could do well, but with small kids of two, seven and nine, it's maybe not the easiest thing. No. And, uh, and then I think it was October, November. I mean, yeah, we had some discussions about, okay. I mean, it, it popped up again in my idea and i came home with the uh, with the proposal and uh, and she was immediately on we had some uh, long distance schooling already in the, the first half of the year so it wouldn't change that much for the kids i mean we had to teach them at home so the school was very open very supportive so i was finally very very happy that i could um, yeah that we took the decision to leave and we arrived here mid of december and uh, we'll be here for sure until the end of february and wow.
0: <laughs> wonderful so how was navidad over there
1: uh good well i mean uh i mean it's an ex uh, spanish colony so they're very catholic so yeah. should have it. i mean you have less of the christmas trees uh in, in sri lanka where it is uh Buddhist, where we lived, you had more Christmas trees than I have seen here in uh, in Nicaragua, (laughs) but but okay, I mean, it's also, it is a true moment for everyone in the country, I mean, to have uh, family time, so uh, the factory is closed, I mean, of course, the fields are not closed, but I think during three, four days, I mean, we had very, very, very few people that came, and we tried. We had to swap them also from time to time because everybody really is is happy and glad to be uh, with the family for uh, for a little moment. And of course, I mean, uh, yeah, the COVID uh, story is something that is living a right little here. So, uh, so people really had the chance to uh, to see each other and uh, to have nice family moments. Yeah. So the- I would say a bit similar to what we do, uh, but this year it was. Uh, different than it was in belgium as far as i heard
0: yeah and well they're very family orientated people as well aren't they but um i'll tell you what what have have you got there you haven't been able to light your cigar i've kept you talking what have you what have you got oh a little lancero siri v lancero that is class light that up and i will tell the listeners about um about a little bit of your background and then we can talk about it in in more depth because i was lucky enough to was it last year Fred I think it was to come over to Belgium and spend that amazing day with you your father and your mother uh, Guido and and Saint Teresa as I christened (laughs) (laughs) after we had a very long very boozy very funny afternoon with Sasha van Horsen from uh, the Netherlands and you and your dad and your mum um
1: in order to well was ex- after, but you came already twice to uh, belgium yes so absolutely already two of these wonderful visits <laughs> <laughs> but i took you to the middle of nowhere of little belgium but uh, yeah,
0: yeah, any excuse any excuse and we turned yeah. up uh and it was frosty and cold and really foggy and we got lost several times which was very funny in its own right then we eventually turned up and had a wonderful meal and that was a really um the excuse for that day was doing an article for Cigar Journal, wasn't it? But really, we just wanted to get together and and chat and talk about families and things. And I know that's a huge part of your philosophy and has been in for generations. Now, I'm right in saying, I think, aren't I, that it was was it 18? Uh, sorry, 1926 when. Um, when Merit started. To come yeah.
1: 95 years ago, yeah. Correct.
0: So, it well, before we go on, I must say to you, in five years' time, we need to be thinking about your uh, centenary book already. <laughs> but tell us the history, I know a bit about it a, a lovely story. A l- little village called Moen in Belgium, um, and Moritz van der Malier, who was, was basically involved with the church, uh, but he had a growing family, um, eight kids, I think, it, it is correct, four boys. <laughs> One of which was Guido, your father, and he needed, uh, five boys, sorry. And he needed to earn some money. Um, And so he thought, I'm going to start rolling cigar, little cigars, and see how they go. And it went very well, didn't it?
1: Indeed. And it's. It's funny to think about that, you know. Uh, anyhow, for the hundred years, I will uh, surely contact you Nick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, will say with, it was sales picture. free publicity on his own podcast. <laughs> but uh, but okay, uh, I will no my. Um, it went rather well. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it was it's quite funny to me to think that in Belgium, starting a cigar company uh, in 1926 was not something strange. Right. Imagine that today, uh, that in whatever I mean, it was in the Netherlands the same thing, in Germany the same thing, that starting a cigar company would be something common that you see. It's like, I mean, uh, digital apps popping up, I mean, uh, or digital agencies popping up in every corner of the town. Or, I mean, imagine that instead of that, you had a new cigar maker around the corner. Weird. So it's, 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 it shows a little bit that in 100 years, I mean, quite a lot changed. Uh, but okay I mean that was the it was in that era quite normal he had a so he was indeed a sextant in the in the church he played the piano that's by the way for a little side note how he um, how he uh, s- seduced my grandmother <laughs> he was I think eight years younger and he played in the church so he could go in every uh, nice family in the t- in town he could go to learn the girls play piano. Uh-huh. And then at a certain moment, he played a quatre mains, you know, so where you have to play with the four hands. Very clever. Uh, my grandmother loved to tell the story where at a certain moment from quatre mains, it went to trois mains, to three <laughs> hands. Because his hand was on her hand. Uh, and so it started. How that sweet. Uh, that's the first chapter for your book next year. That's day. a lovely uh, story. And, uh, no, and so, I mean, uh, indeed, eight children focused on on cigars he had a I mean when he, he played as a sexton and at a certain moment indeed the income out of that was not sufficient so he started first a, a shop where he sold I mean yeah more uh, like magazines newspapers and everything in terms of tobacco products of cigars. do you remember him Fred? I know where the shop is was it does exist you still see even a small window where you see when the tobacco came up but Ten years after, they moved already to uh, to the building that I then vividly still remember, where okay. they then made cigars really on a larger scale. And um, yeah, I mean, he had his own shop. So he made, in the beginning, he made cigars for his own shop. The tobacco, as there were like over 200 cigar makers in Belgium, uh, tobacco was mainly from uh, Indonesia because we were part of the Netherlands. I mean, we were Belgium already, but we... Uh, 50 years or 100 years before we were part of the Netherlands. So, I mean, we still had a close connection with the Netherlands. So, we used that Indonesian tobacco uh, a lot at that time. And, and okay, so you had traders going around from village to village to sell tobacco. So, that's how he got his tobacco, made cigars, made, I mean, tried to blend a little bit with the tobacco that he had for hands and then sold these cigars in his own shop and bit by bit started to sell these cigars in other shops. And this is how, I mean, as a little oil stain, let's say that way, I mean, it it started to grow bit by bit, you know, I mean, going to the villages around and then the oldest son uh, came into the business. The oldest son, no, no, went to uh, Congo eh, to be a priest. uh, That's right, I remember now, yeah. And um, uh, chapter number two. (laughs) And then you had a a son-in-law who was a, a good, a very good salesman. So he started selling, he moved to Brussels, the capital, which was, I mean, at that time, I don't know, an hour and a half driving the other side of the world. So, so that, that Sun started selling in that region and bit by bit, we started covering, let's say the whole of Belgium, but in a very small scale with our cigars. And um, at a certain moment, I mean, they, as the salesman was such a good salesman, he loved to sell everything. So we started selling other things as well. I mean, uh, chewing gum, uh, rolling paper, even other cigars. Right. and uh, when my father came in uh, that at the youngest of eight when that business was already rather developed you know i mean my father came into the business in the 60s so let's say the business existed already 30 35 years that he felt that we were in a kind of dangerous maybe dead end street where we are not owner anymore of what we sell and uh, we sold for a long time henry wintermans for example in belgium so uh, the, special thing and uh, and my father focused back again on the cigar and focused back again on okay I mean how can we sell cigars and 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 maybe let's see it more on an international scale and uh, because he didn't want to intermingle with his brother that was doing Belgium so he went abroad Luxembourg as a first country Canary Islands as a second country quite funny examples but then finally also to France and he felt that he needed a brand to be able to sell cigars uh selling cigars was okay but the, the people had to have a name to mm-hmm. recognize and to yeah. understand and to trust and uh and i would say when the first generation was really making cigars and selling these cigars in the second generation my dad then specifically brought in a little marketing angle and you can see this in positive and negative way but for me the thing is you give trust to the people. I buy this and next time it will be good again. Because we made good cigars, but they were maybe not recognized like that. Yeah. And uh, we started in uh, France uh, in the 80s, I think, with, uh, with our own uh, sales team. And uh, and bit by bit, I mean, my father, in the 70s, we did big two big acquisitions for us at that time. Uh, one in Hansamo, two in Belgium. One that was pure the brands in uh, Liège, and one in Hansama that was a factory and uh, and brands.
0: Yeah, you took me there, right? Excuse me. You t- you took me to Hansama, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, I remember. Yeah.
1: That's the real middle of nowhere, but it's yeah. a fantastic time with with great people. You know, I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I love the mayor, so I have to make some publicity. <laughs> Um, but uh, but okay I mean uh, over there we uh, at that moment we really started to become one of the bigger ones and of the 200 I think in the 80s I don't know maybe still 15-20 were left uh, maximum of the cigar manufacturers we had in Belgium and this was happening all over Europe you know so you had less people I mean like we did acquisitions uh, companies that went bankrupt this and that So uh, so okay I mean they did a lot and they surely did some things good because when, uh, in, the, in the meantime, we could grow, I mean, uh, all over year, year by year, we were growing and selling more cigars in different markets. We uh, started with the brand Cortez, that was an existing brand, but we gave it the blue color. And then we had Nios that we acquired from uh, from Hansame that we also developed on the French market. And the blue color of Cortez is quite also a funny story because it's a, it was at that time, you have to imagine, I mean, nowadays it's easy to say, but we were really still the odd one out. You had the big manufacturers in the Netherlands, in Germany, even in Belgium, many that were many, many times bigger than we were. So how can you differentiate yourself from the rest? And uh, my dad did that with that blue color. And in, uh, in France, it was our real first success uh, of introducing a brand in the market. Where people, I mean, where they recognized that blue. But it was funny because at the other hand, all people who were in cigar business said all the time, like, what do you do? You know, I mean, blue for a cigar, this is not done. right? Really not. I mean, we want to, I mean, you have to have green or brown or white or yellow, but no blue. And the fact that we were blue was really, I mean, was standing out and was, I think, the, the real beginning let's say of, uh, of that success
0: and what was his thinking behind that was it um, was it something it was it the color of the sea or something that made it th- made him think of that do I remember that rightly
1: that's uh, indeed correct I mean uh, he uh, the south of France was a uh, and is still if you go to the right places I would say a fantastic beautiful area on the yeah. Mediterranean and so if you see the Mediterranean as it should be, uh, I mean, the, the, the water is, is, is blue and does have, I mean, an evolution in terms of color from light to dark blue. And, uh, and that type of color, yeah, color sets, let's say that way, is something that surely struck his mind and, uh, and that he tried to replicate on the, on the box. When he was looking to the beach, and he, I saw, I see beautiful girls passing by. I always thought he was looking to the girls, but finally,
0: <laughs> that's
1: his excuse. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, but he's a clever guy, your dad, and he and he took things on to a real different level. So you were, would have been a young guy by the time he was what knocking, when he was his. So he was in his sort of uh, mid fifties, was he, when you started to step into the business?
1: No, older, Luckily, older. older or right. Worked out uh I was uh, he was 40 when I was born okay right so uh, so that means that he was 65 something like that i mean I, uh, I i did university so i was let's say 23 when i started and then i started first a couple of years we have had a, a company that did some raw your own so i worked there for a couple of years learned yeah. a lot about tobacco again and uh Things like that. I mean, it's like I said, you know, born on a tobacco leaves. So that means during your life, you're always in touch with tobacco in some way or another. That's for the whole family. My mom, my sisters, everybody. Right. But, um, but okay, when I was, I would say, uh, 27 or six, I moved to Sri Lanka where we have our company. And there again, I didn't work directly for my dad. There was somebody in between. And it was only when I was 29, 30, when I came back to Belgium, when he was 70, that I really started Really. Trying Officially, I mean, a little bit more active, playing an active role within the business, but we never had a kind of plan, you know, I mean, nothing was exactly like first this, that maybe it was planned in his head. I have to say he never really. So you never felt
0: under pressure to do that? or, Or did you fight it at first? Did you want to do something different?
1: i wanted my first job that i wanted to do was uh, indeed i mean something else i mean i right. wanted to work i mean what i liked about a job in uh, in with with some uh, or big consultancy firms or big companies as a whole is that you can learn a lot and you can do different things on a short time and uh, and that was let's say in, in after my university studies the things that i applied for but then i decided to travel for three months so then every i mean thing job interview that i did was like yeah i can start in four months from now it's like yeah why because i will backpack in southeast asia yeah oh, well, they say come back when you're back it's okay okay so uh, and during my trip there my dad made me job offer uh, within our Roy your own business for a department i mean he said like look i mean i want to hire somebody that i can fire in six months from now and uh, <laughs> The easiest one to do that with is you and <laughs> say, okay, thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how I ended in into the business and I accepted that offer. You know, it's not, you can be, okay, you can fight against it, but look, you have to see reality too, that you have, uh, it's not an obligation, uh, yeah. but it's a kind of honor Uh, that you're able to do that let's say that way yes uh, my oh my okay finally my father they were with eight at home uh, five were active in the business he was the youngest one and due to internal regulation everybody had to sell his shares when they were 65 and nobody was active in the business Uh, except of one uncle nobody was active So that means that my father and finally all shares came in the hands of my father, but still with a good family uh, relationship. I really want to stress every year we still have a New Year's Eve party with the Van der family and everybody is there. And and that's something that I love about our family business history is that we, one, could make a success of the the family business, but that at the other side, I mean, we could keep the family together, which is often, I mean, it's often the one or the other. Yeah, And, and also that applies to you and your sisters as well, doesn't it? That's true, and uh, that's true. And I will come back to that later okay. just to say that when you then see compared to your cousins uh, who do not have, I mean, they maybe they have had, maybe they have not had. I mean, I was not there at that moment, but I mean, they have not that opportunity to continue. I mean, a family business that our grandfather, it's, I mean, by the God's sake, it's the grandfather of all of us started and you have the, the possibility and the honor to do that. I think it's, a, uh, yeah. But it's no, I, I don't call it, an, it seems like a moral obligation, but it was never felt like that, let's say that way. You're so close to the product, so close to everything that it feels normal when you have, it all depends what your interests are as well. You know, I mean, at a certain moment, I mean, I, I decided to study a uh, commercial engineer and then applied economics. Why? Because, okay, there was a certain interest in that. If I would have studied uh, arts or, or maybe, or, or, or doctor or whatever, Okay, there wouldn't have been no no choice, and, and things would maybe be gone in a total different way. But when the economical side is interesting you a bit, when the product is interesting you, I mean, why not taking it up? And it's a backpack that you carry, but it's at the other hand something that you can carry with proud and that you have to be proud of. Yeah, and correct with my towards my sisters later on. I mean, uh, I mean, what did I learn out of that? It is of course that thanks to a good, I mean. Working together with family is good, is great, and a family in a family business is the strongest asset that the business has. Yeah. But it can immediately be the weakest asset as well. Sure. It brings in emotions within a, a rational thing. Yeah. And, and and honestly, yeah. I mean, that's good because it can make sure that rational things like uh, profits or uh, growth or whatever can emotionally be balanced by family values. So in a sense, that's the fantastic part. But if these emotional or these values, I mean, tend to have the majority of, uh, and go above those rational things of the normal business life, yeah, then you're in imbalance on the other side and then it's dangerous. And having, in my opinion, I mean, too many family members active in a company could e- especially in small companies I mean could easily I mean bring a kind of tension because you're not only working together you're also family together so making distinctions between a Sunday and a Monday should still be there and as long as you can do that that's great but when you feel that's in danger I feel that's a danger as well yeah. and so as such I mean with my sisters also they are 10 and 14 years older you wouldn't say it but this is no video podcast (laughs) would be video and you would see my sisters you would think we're from the same age but okay they are 10 and 14 years older and uh, they were active in other things and i was the only one active in the cigars and right of course emotionally again this is a very very tough and not easy decision from their part Uh, but i will never forget and i truly appreciate that a lot that they gave me the opportunity i mean uh, to buy two-thirds of the shares it is an opportunity. It is a big challenge. You know, I went to the bank and I had to uh, go and, uh, and get a, a bank loan. I mean, I didn't, we have a kind, I know I'm an entrepreneur with a cushion. That's something else, but okay. I mean, I didn't touch the cushion to, to do this because I really wanted to try to do this on my own. Right. And Hey, if you have to get a loan for two thirds of your shares, I mean, that's putting yourself into a quite a challenge, but okay. I mean, then i think we did uh, we we didn't do it too bad uh, so that we could pay back our debts from um, from time to time and uh, and that i'm now let's say it's from 2014 i think that i acquired the uh, shares of my sister yeah that now 7 years later okay i'm i'm i I'm less i have less pressure of the banks and i have the opportunity to continue to to build the business
0: and let's talk about that you uh you came in and as part of your traveling i think when you first became involved heavily with the company, you met the Oliva family in uh, in Nicaragua and you hit it off particularly well with them, um, which led ultimately to you buying the company. But tell us about about that meeting and, and about that meeting of minds that, that sort of started it all
1: off so well. well the funny story is that, um, that I first went to China. It was in 2012 where, um, uh, uh, no earlier, 2010 when I'm, or 11, when I was just back in Belgium, at that time you had Agio who had a corporation with the Chinese, you had Imperial Altadis USA who had a corporation with the Chinese. And I mean, China is still, I mean, a huge market uh, in general, consumption market. So I was very interested by the things going on in China. And, uh, and then I thought like, yeah, how can I get into China and get to know more about the tobacco world there? And via, I mean, I have been quite uh, a lot involved in the beginning also in the in the leaf buying because the, I worked in Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka is very close to where the wrapper, I mean, we, we process wrappers. So I've been four years deeply, deeply involved into the wrapper and into, I mean, how leaves look like and blah, blah, blah. So I got to know quite some traders in tobacco. So I got to know one of the traders and he was traveling. I mean, he was also selling to the Chinese uh, Monopoly. And... With thanks to, I mean, him, I mean, I, I discussed it with him. He said like, no worries, Fred, come over, join me. Hey, let's, I will do my normal trip where I do, that I do to sell tobacco there. You join me and, uh, and, and I will tell you who you are and who you want to get known. I mean, and, and you will be introduced to everybody in that business. Okay. So interesting. Okay. So I, uh, I, indeed I could join him and uh, during the trip. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, in China, it was a different way of working. It's the monopoly. It's a, uh, I, is it good or bad? It's different. Let's say it that way. Okay. And I missed a lot. I mean, they were talking numbers, but I missed the passion. I right. mean, I was looking for people who were passionate about tobacco, who were passionate about the, the blending part. I was looking really for that part within yeah. China. See, like, I mean, what can I do? And then he said, he said like, Fred, uh, you're at the wrong side of the world. You don't right. have to come here. You have to go to the middle of the middle Americas. I mean, you have to really, I did visit Cuba once, I did visit the Dominican Republic once, I never been to uh, Nicaragua then. She said, like, go ahead, I mean, go and visit that. And his brother, Martin van der Linden, uh, was also tobacco salesman for the same company, but in the middle Americas. So I swapped brothers and I came here (laughs) and uh, and I did a trip of three weeks where we, I mean, visited, I think 30 different uh, companies. And it was funny because before Martin asked me, yeah, who do you want to visit? I said like, yeah, I mean, family owned businesses that buy tobacco from you and pay their bills. Eh? So they are correct with you. And secondly, I mean, preferably that also buy more tobacco this year than last year, you know, so who are right. in, a, in a positive way. Not for me, not to, to really, to personally, uh, like my goal was not to do that trip to acquire a company. I really wanted to in, get in touch and really feel, I mean, what it was. And I have to say, I came back with a battery filled of, yeah, passion, uh, emotions, uh, uh, tobacco knowledge, uh, (laughs) a lot of questions, again, of things that I wanted to learn on top of everything that I knew already. So, I mean, conclusion of all that, you know, I said like, yes, I mean, Eric van der Linden was right. I had to go to the other side of the world. So by traveling here, I met indeed a lot of families and okay, you know, I mean, when you have first introductions with people and you only meet for half an hour, an hour, one night, maybe in the best, uh, in the best occasions, yeah, it is short and sweet, but with some, you, uh, you immediately make the jokes, you immediately have fun and with others, okay, you stay more on surface and this yeah. is just, it can be by accident or it can be just that you're, that character wise, you're closer. But with the Olivas, I mean, the, there was a, I mean, Gilberto was here. He was blending uh, cigars. Uh, he would, they were making their short fillers at that moment. So he was blending even short fillers. So talking to us about that, we joked around. I mean, we had a dinner at his home. I mean, fantastic moment. Short, sweet, but very good. And then when I came back, I have to say that for me, I mean, there was a, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a dream that started to cultivate in my head which was okay we were out of history european cigar manufacturer yes you make these small cigars but unfortunately in the market of the small cigars a a majority of smokers don't really smoke it because they go for the taste for the flavor for the tobacco for the product you know i mean it it gets, unfortunately, from time to time, much more a real consumption product than an indulgence product. Yeah. And I miss that part. You know, I mean, and uh, and in our when I I also visited uh, companies in Europe. You know, I mean, and and then I said like, we miss something. You know, I mean, in our portfolio, what we have. I mean, premium handmade cigar. that we a person would love to have I mean to, to, to rethink to go back to the core and we started even without selling premium cigars to give our salespeople again tobacco courses they got sales courses before how to sell now we gave them tobacco courses they have to know about tobacco and how difficult it is to make a wrapper and what fermentation means and how I mean how how long the process is from the seed until the cigar if they don't know that and they don't carry that passion, how can they, and for God's sake, sell cigars in the right way? And so that dream came to make premium cigars. And then it was like, yeah, I mean, can I make a premium cigar? Let's be honest, no. I mean, I'm, I'm I am who I am. I have my, we have our strength, but also our weaknesses. Yeah. After doing the trip here, the idea was indeed to, I mean, to say like, okay. Why not working together with one of the families here? Because you feel the families here, for them, Europe is far away. You know what I mean? It's the US. Right. Europe and the rest of the world, let's say the rest of the world. You have the US, you have the rest of the world. And I cannot blame them. The US is very easy. It's one box for a, a country that sells two thirds of the world's uh, cigars. You know, so why would you care about such a complex, difficult, crazy continent like yeah. Europe or exactly. like the rest of the world? Yeah. A Brexit is something they don't have to think about then. No. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> Lucky them. Lucky them. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way, you know, I mean, then I thought like, yeah, I can give them something. I mean, we are used to, I mean, we, we're not used to work in the US, but we're used to work in that complex world. And that complex world that seems for them very complex is not complex for us. It's normal. No. It's our normal. So... With that help, you know, I mean, I, I came and started some discussions with some families, among others, the Olivas. And, uh, and yeah, to say like, why don't we make a cigar together? And we really call it the story of two families. Right. You know, I mean, you're a family, we're a family. You're three generations, five generations, uh, we're three generations. So we talk about these stories. Values are the same. We make, we blend the cigar together, and I will really put all my efforts that I can I will buy you the cigars and you have your part of the profit and I will sell them in Europe and and do all I can to have them widespread all around. Which was, in my opinion, I mean, I'm still happy with that idea. But I said in the same, uh, let's say, idea exchange, uh, I said like, yeah, uh, but know that if you're planning to sell your company, I mean, let me know on beforehand. Because the story of two families is totally different than the story between a family and a conglomerate. conglomerate yeah. or a big company right. so we really have to be open and honest about that to us and uh and you leave us i mean and this shows their values their way of thinking i mean we're uh, we're so honest to say and to be open to me to say when we started developing the product like fred we will stop the project unfortunately I said well, why? Yeah, yeah. Because you warned us to stop the project the moment we were selling the company and we're in I mean this situation that we decided as a family now I mean to sell the company.
0: Well that shows their integrity as you say because they could easily have carried on and you don't know whether it's ever going to go through do you so you you know
1: you could have hedged your bets and carried on right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. And I can only I mean thank them for that and 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 yeah, I mean confirm that in that sense. The companies are very close to each other because they were all born out of family values that are very similar yeah and at that moment anyhow i mean when that came it was a big disappointment because we couldn't start making our product together i I mean the first impression was a reaction was oh no god damn i mean it was a perfect match this was made in heaven did you get to the stage of blending and things uh no. no i have to say we were not so far yet but okay. we were in the stage of deciding that we would do it you know i mean so so that right. was for me very important and, and was that the
0: first time in the back of your mind the little light went on and you thought
1: maybe we can buy them yes really uh yes i mean okay i mean you I think people, I hope, uh, we all live with dreams in our head. Yeah. And, uh, and that one day we maybe could produce cigars in an own factory uh, somewhere in, 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 in the middle Americas. I don't say that it wasn't a far, far away dream, you know what I mean? But it was something that I saw for myself 20 years from now, you know what I mean? And nothing that, that I saw on such a quick pace happening. And my father was always a little bit against it because he said, like Fred, starting a long filler today, I got
0: this
1: is impossible. You know, acquire a small wheel that is already turning around instead of try to push a wheel forward and start right. to run. And okay, it's true what he says, but okay, I said like Daddy, It's not that you walk in and say like, hey, I mean, do you sell your company? I mean, it's 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 even it's offensive, you know. I mean, it's not something that you that that works and that that in a way was not in it, it, it's not in my veins to do it that way. I said like, whatever, we will see what comes. What comes comes, but it's not a priority. And so, was it the first time? It was a long-term dream. But then, of course, I mean, it didn't take uh, seven weeks before the the coin in my head flipped. From uh, from a disappointment to maybe this is an opportunity, right? I mean, uh, and and whereas then of course I mean start the talks with them and have to say uh, even on the first in the first round we lost <laughs> and it's only six months later that then we uh, we came back into the picture uh, really and, uh, and, and and finally could come to an agreement. But these I mean, best,
0: the best things and the best deals are never the ones that just happen you know, they're the ones that fall through and you think they're gone and then you make it work. And in the end, you think, how the hell did we get there? Was it a bit like that?
1: It was, uh, yeah, it was surely like that. Again, for me, I mean, once you're in that flow of having the opportunity, looking with it, because also financially, I mean, you have to uh, make sure that it works. And and again, I mean, go to that same bank uh, where uh, two years ago I started, uh, I mean, getting a big loan was quite of a challenge, but okay. I mean, when I got everything okay, when the square was fully filled and, and, and okay, it was like, yeah, I fully go for it. And then I am then I love to really go fight and go and try to go till the end until I have it. But okay, it's true that, I mean, it was from yeah, disappointment to happiness, disappointment to happiness, to disappointment to very happiness. Yeah. yeah. But Nick, that's one part. And that's, let's say, the the maybe the romantic part of of getting to the acquisition but i have to say for me still uh i think the biggest accomplishment for us is the fact that five years later the company still exists and the people who worked with the family oliva are still working with us and are now feeling part of i mean the father might family whatever i mean i still feeling part of a family and 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 maybe family changed a bit but in the core of everything, nothing really changed. You know?
0: No, and you've said to me before, it's one thing buying a company. It's something entirely different running it once you've bought it. And and there's a whole whole range of emotions wrapped up in that, isn't there? You've got you know people that have worked for a family, some of them I presume for a very long time, who have their own set way of doing things. And then they have this company that perhaps they haven't heard of comes in and buys them and says, right, we're going to take over... And everybody worries what's going to change is it going to be bad is it going to be good most people by their nature are fearful of change even if they're good at it you know it's human nature um and i know you said to me at the time we've got no intention of coming in and you know telling everybody how to do their jobs but it's an easy thing to say and a difficult thing to do isn't it
1: no no it is indeed and uh yeah again i mean uh It is because they also did their job well that (laughs) it was easy to say, do your job and let's not change. And on the other hand, it's also coming in and and checking and talking with the people about, you know, I mean, looking what their worries are. Because also in our company, people have worries or have problems. Yeah. I mean, that's everywhere, you know, that's inherent. And it's in a family like that, you know, I mean, when an outsider talks to my kids, I mean, they will say, this is great in our family and this is what I hate in our family. (laughs) Yeah. So so when you come as an outsider and you try to focus on what they don't really like or what is not going well in their family or in their day-to-day work, and you try to tackle these things at first and really focus on them to really make them better and to show your willingness to really make it better, uh, it's not something that I read in books or that I uh, said, like, I will do it that way. But when looking back, retrospecting, uh, it's something that we did uh, out of ourselves, and 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 it's something that helped a lot uh, to have. I think everybody on board, even the most sceptical, or the people who worked indeed for ages since the beginning with the family, and you have quite some of them, you know. And and it was a great family. I mean, NC, you know. I mean, there you can't say a lot of bad things about uh, about the family. No,
0: that's true, and it, and it and it boils down to uh, its basis is treating people as individuals and and having respect for what is important to them as you say and you've told me before that you know things like the chairs they sit in and the environment that they're based in and and all of that stuff that affects them daily and affects how they feel and that and how they feel when they work is important to them and you made sure that you addressed that indeed and then you went back to the bank and said look (laughs) now we want to build a factory (laughs)
1: Yeah look i mean uh, that's uh, the things that happened the 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 roller coaster that uh, that happened in the five years after or uh, uh, or maybe sometimes think that uh, sometimes things that i yeah maybe sometimes i'm a, i'm a lucky man that uh, doesn't think too much you know <laughs> so uh, because i don't think too much uh, yeah i mean things uh, Things go on and I say yes and then it's only some sometimes afterwards that I say like what did I, did I really now say yes to this <laughs> <laughs> I, I, right idea it's a great idea I mean I'm, I'm skeptical about ideas though it's not that I say yes to everything not at all but uh, but I'm, I'm 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 positive and I believe in the future and I believe in and in, in if people tell me things and truly they can prove that they need this to make it better I truly believe that this is true you know I mean and and, and then I'm yeah, I mean, I, I, I jump, you know, I jumped together with them. Uh, but yeah, it happened. Then I didn't go to the bank to really say I want to build a factory or whatever. I mean, it was just like, yeah, let's do that. I mean, do we have the money? Yeah, it will be okay if we do this and this, fine. But we didn't have strict cash flow plans and whatever. But I got, I learned by doing. <laughs> and now I have a cash flow plan. <laughs> because I mean, it, it happened two, three times that it was like, yeah, okay, we took the decision. We're building it now. But now, I mean... Yeah, well now we need the money. It's like, my God, where will I find it now? <laughs> and uh, and okay, left and right, it worked out. These things to have, those are like little bumps then on the road. Um, but then you learn out of it. You say like, oh, 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 next year, no way. Because it was okay. We could, we had the money to build a factory, but we never thought that indeed, I also said yes to buy more inventory of tobacco. And we never thought that I say, yes, I mean, put the granel full of cigars and make sure that we have, I mean, uh, Oh, you've muted yourself there, Fred. Oh. oh, there you go. That's better. Yeah, that will be better. Anyhow, <laughs> I said too many times. My my uh, neighbor, who uh, when I was young, uh, took care of me from time to time when my parents were gone. You know, I always went to the neighbor lady who was sixty years old, or whatever. Always said, Fred, your biggest mistake is you cannot say no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you say that too loud, or otherwise they will misuse it. But uh, but okay, I mean, it's uh, it's surely something that. Yeah, I mean, that at a certain moment you get to learn. But again, you learn out of your mistakes. Now we have a little bit more stricter overview and and these things don't happen anymore. But still, I mean, the good thing is, I mean, I'm here for a next generation. And and if I'm in here for a next generation, that means that I feel myself as just one part of a long chain. You know, I'm, I'm part number three and I hope our chain will have 15 parts, whatever we will see. Maybe four, maybe three, but I hope that we will have more parts. So when you're only part of a chain, you do this thing on the long term. Have everything I need. Like I said, I'm an entrepreneur with a cushion. Uh, I mean, I can sit down. I can eat my breakfast, lunch, dinner for the rest of my life and not having hunger. Uh, so doing business in that way is is maybe easier than some other people need to uh, need to think in different ways. Mm. We have our house. I mean, I don't need more than that. So. In that sense, that gives you the opportunity as well to reinvest, I mean, the things that you would collect out of the company and that you don't have to pay back to the bank to just reinvest it in the company. And What I love about your company and
0: Cortez in particular is, that you know, it does feel like a company of individuals. You, your people are encouraged to be characters and personalities and they and I, and I think feel that they have a, feel they have a degree of freedom when I speak to them. They're individual people and we talk about their families and things, which sometimes isn't the way. Sometimes it's very corporate from other people. And to let people know, you know, when, when, when you get together at the trade shows at Dortmund, for example. So the Cortesians, as, as you call yourselves, the family, they always have a dance, right? So at the end of, of one of the days, they do this amazing dance or like a sort of dance. Um, what do they call it, Fred, when um, when a crowd just suddenly starts dancing? What do they call that? I've forgotten the name. Uh, Flash mob. Flash mob. That's it. Um, and it's like that. So by now, everybody knows this is going to happen. And there's a, there's a bit of a word goes out at 5pm <laughs> on the Cortez stand. So the place gets packed out and these, and these poor people <laughs> all jump in and do some crazy song, of which I would hasten to reassure you that Fred is heavily involved and they do this dance and... You know, it's just brilliant. And and I love that fun side of that fun, slightly crazy, slightly Flemish side to to the company really comes through. And and that's to your credit.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think that not everybody in the company is as happy when I come (laughs) with my bright ideas. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I will not say names, but um, I will not do anything, but I will (laughs) give a, a little sneak preview uh, to you so the dance we did this year even without Dortmund we did a dance so we have a beautiful movie of it uh I mean I don't know, on our YouTube I think we can you can find it on our youtube channel of Cortez. Um, but um, and of the dances of last year as well whatever but um, this year of course I mean for sure the dance will come again even though some really <laughs> hate it every time <laughs> But it's funny, you know, I mean, it's it's great to see, I mean, how dancing in a certain way brings people into people who really hate dancing. At the end of the day, when you all do it together, really? if you feel the family you know and it's fantastic
0: oh, I and can I just, see that because Brian's face Brian Shapiro he always has that pained look <laughs> on his face because Brian's a cool dude he likes to think he's a cool dude and you could tell he hates every minute of it
1: <laughs>
0: but then he quite likes to be involved as well <laughs>
1: he's not the only one he's not the only one I but indeed, we're all happy to be involved in as well so it's fantastic
0: so what so, and, tell us about the future Fred you know what is your you know, don't give us away any secrets, but what is the f- next five-year plan for you guys?
1: We don't have that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, We, uh, look, I mean, I do think that our uh, eternal uh, plan is to continue to make uh, great cigars and uh, to continue to try so that people in every corner of the world are able to buy our cigars. So, I mean, we have to make sure in that sense that, I mean, whatever sales point you have in the world where they sell cigars, we have to make sure that they at least can buy our cigars. So um, uh, that's a a challenge, eh? but I think we have fantastic products for that. Uh, So that's one part and we're doing a lot for that but also i mean still in the way like you told it i mean with a with an angle of, of fun but also with some some nice ideas i mean i think that we since we started we brought in the limitadas of the milanio which didn't uh, didn't exist before uh, that is the round shape with uh, with the same or likely slightly different blend but uh, but always a bit the same so i mean where you can enjoy a milanio in a round form the, those things but also we have other ideas of 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 lounges and and things that we can uh, bring upon and that that can help but also i mean our people are really i mean very motivated to make sure that these cigars can be found there and then if you do that and you want to continue to make good cigars uh, uh, but you want to be in more points of sale which means that automatically you will sell more cigars you really have to make sure you have enough tobacco And, uh, and 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 that's let's say if you see the investment we did in 2020 i mean in 2020 i became a farmer yeah. and I'm very proud to say that it's one of the reasons why I wanted to move here to really get close to the farms to really understand it well and if you then are involved into the production from a seed to the final product yeah, there is a, a, a really a million different types of combinations that you can find of things that you can do from the seed development until the final box and how you wrap your cigars uh, there are a million things that you can do to try to try something new and try something out so uh, this i mean on the on the on the tobacco growing and on the on the blending part and then on the cigar making and then finally on the on the boxing or on the idea of the product itself or things that we are continuously working upon without strict due dates you know i mean we're developing i think since a year and a half we're developing cigars uh, whatever, we will see, you know, I mean, they come when they, when they will be ready, you know, I mean, Oliva has never been a company that launches a lot of new products, uh, we will never be, but if we launch something, we will make sure that it's something that we, I mean, that we worked upon for a long enough time where we feel, okay, this is it, I mean, it's ready, it's 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 finished, it's done, and this is how I think it worked in the past, and this is how it will work now, and, and, and these things, you know, I mean, I think, investments in fields and, 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 and in collaborations with local farmers, try to have these farmers. I mean, we had fantastic sessions in the last months with the local farmers to have good agricultural practices on the fields. Uh, we introduced, uh, I mean, a, a digital, I mean, thermometer and, uh, and moisture meter within moisture that you can turn the peel on during fermentation at the exact right temperature at the exact right time. And all those that combination between trying to bring a new technology if you see now uh, when we do the plantation i mean uh, of the of the seeds and transplantation of everything everything is now linked with a central application where we can see okay where is the tobacco how old exactly uh, it's not that in the past we couldn't we didn't have it but we didn't have it at the same time and simultaneously and if you have the 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 opportunity to have it now i mean at the, immediately why not using that that technology to do that so it's a combination of many things, uh, but the baseline is, I mean, continue to make great cigars. And specifically, I think more and more, we will also try to, uh, I mean, make ourselves people that sell moments of, of relaxation. I mean, moments that people uh, are exiting the day-to-day stress. And, uh, and if you see what COVID brought, I mean, okay, it brought, I think for a lot of people also, like, a little reflection of okay i mean i'm hurrying 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 but i enjoy being at home at my ease maybe on a sunday afternoon well a cigar is something that can help you to force yourself to be out of this world for an hour and uh, and and being able to bring that also to people is for me very 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 important
0: yeah very wise words and 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 um massively overlooked i think even in within the industry because it's easy to get wrapped up in Blends and cigars and numbers and bales and plantations, but the point of the whole exercise is doing what you described, and and it brings solace to so many people in so many different situations. And I think if you can keep that at the forefront of your mind, which you obviously do, then you really are doing it the right way. Um, so it, it, lovely to talk to you. I know you've, you're there with a the family and you're there to work as well. Give them all my love. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. I really look forward to seeing you in person and hopefully one day joining you there in Esteli.
1: Thank you. You're more and more and more than welcome, know that. You know, I mean, uh, our uh, the fields and the factory is open for you if you uh, want to roll some cigars. Uh, we have a beautiful cigar rolling school. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd be yeah, hopeless.
1: It's, it's always a pleasure to, to be with you. And uh, the best, uh, let's say, proof of that is the fact that I mean, we pass oh. an hour and uh, it feels like five minutes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It really does. Thank you for your time, my friend. I'll take care. Stay safe. See you soon.
1: See you. Bye, Nick. Thank you very, very much.
0: Thank you, Fred. Fantastic stuff. Lovely to hear his voice again. Great fun. He's slightly crazy, is Fred. He won't mind me telling you that. He, um, he's another of those guys whose mind is like a firework going off. And, a, and a, any time spent with him is an absolute revelation. So I hope you enjoyed that. Before we disappear, put our feet up, crack open a cold one and watch the cricket. Don't forget, uh, those of you who haven't purchased a copy of Around the World in 80 Cigars, the book, then you should. And if you have, perhaps a friend would like one. You can uh, contact me through my website to order a book. Uh, You can email me nick at nick.com uh, and if you request a message, I will personally dedicate your book to you or to your chosen friend. Uh, and the audiobook is also out there, immediately downloadable through the website. It's just £5.99, and it's five or six hours of me personally reading the book to you. Uh, I had some interesting conversations about taking that audiobook abroad uh, lately. so and perhaps translating it, so uh, I'll keep you posted there. That is it for now, folks. I sincerely thank you for your company over the last few weeks and months. Uh, for those of you who've been in touch, just to give me a nudge and, and say well done and thank you for what you're doing and tell me that you've enjoyed various episodes, I'm very grateful. Uh, I started it as a bit of fun in lockdown, and it's grown into more than that, I think, hasn't it? So I look forward to catching up with you again. I hope you have a wonderful summer. You deserve it. Stay safe. Look after yourself and look after each other.